I hope you had something good happen this week. You know, did you have a good thing happen? You don't have to tell me, you know, you just nod your head, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I guess I'll let that one go. <laughs> Jan's birthday, oh, yeah, thank you, yes. I won't ask how old, Jan, but anyhow, <laughs> uh, happy birthday. Yeah, so, yeah, see, we have reason to celebrate always, you know. I didn't have a birthday, yeah, <laughs> celebrate, yeah. So, well, this morning's message, and I, I believe this will be my last one, uh, not the last one in this series on prayer, uh, seems like I have been, and I have been speaking probably in the last six weeks on different aspects of praying, and it's the, the longest series I've ever done on, on praying, and this morning is, uh, again, another facet, another, direct, another thing to look at whenever we are thinking of praying. And the title of my message is God's Will in Prayer. God's Will in Prayer. Now we're reading from John, 1 John 5, verses 14 and 15. And this is the confidence that we have before him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we already possess what we have asked of him. We know that we already have what we have asked of him. Now, that, that in a phrase in itself, I, I don't spend a lot of time on, but most, most of the time that this scripture has been, that I have spoken on this scripture, it is concerning the, the verse 15, that we know that we already possess what we have asked for, what we have asked of God. Now, a simple way of understanding that, that we already have what we ask for. So, a couple of things to understand is, like, whenever we ask Christ to forgive us of our sins, okay, we are forgiven. Our name is written in God's book of life. We have eternal life. You have what you ask for. <laughs> so, you see, we already have eternal life, but we don't have it. We're still living, but we're still go going to live forever. That's eternal life. Now, we don't have it. Pull it up and show you. Here it is. I got eternal life right here. Uh, we like the concrete. We like the things that we can put our hands on and say, yeah, I got it. Well, one of the challenges for us is to understand that when we pray, that in the kingdom of God and in the spiritual realm, those things exist, and we're praying that they would come into this realm, okay? That they, they would become something we would, we would possess and have. Now, um, it's hard to, I think, it's hard to fathom how that this, how that this can happen, you know, it's like Jesus praying for the loaves and fishes and feeding the 5,000. He has five, five flat pancakes and two sardines. So he prays, he blesses them. From that, he feeds 5,000 people, plus women and children. So as many as 12 to 15,000 people ate from those five loaves and two fish. What happened? He had what he asked for, that God would multiply it. And so for us, it is... Trying to have, or trying to have, trying to believe, to understand that when we pray, it's like we already have it, so we are to, we are to act as if it's already here. Now, we can't pray for a million bucks and then go charge everything knowing that it's coming. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. So, <laughs> uh, but 
you know, well, it's, that's what you said. No, okay. Let's, let's go on with what we're talking about here, verse, verse 14. And this is the confidence that we have before him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Now, this is the confidence. Okay. We see one of the greatest hindrances to our confidence in this prayer is not knowing whether what we are asking for is the will of God. We often think, okay, I prayed for this, but I don't know if it's God's will. You know, will God give it to me and so on. Well, as long as there are doubts that surround our prayer, we lack the confidence to come boldly to the throne of of grace, to enter into God's presence. We lack that confidence to say, I believe that God is going to answer my prayer, but only if it is the will of God. See, what we do is we lack the assurance, we lack the guarantee, we lack the understanding of the promise that we shall receive. We shall receive. The, the thin ice, watching the Olympics, you know, skaters and so on, the, they were, it was, if you watched it, um, they complained about the snow <laughs> because they didn't have snow. What they had was fake snow. <laughs> what I mean by that is it's the snow we have around here. You know, the, at, the snow, at the ski slopes, they have these big air, these, they have these big um, tubes and at the end of the tubes, they have like four, three, four, five nozzles. And there is a combination of air and water being forced out those nozzles. And when the temperature is cold enough, it freezes and falls. And it's like snow. But it's not snow. <laughs> and if they have, the wrong mix, they have the wrong mixture, that can become a pile of ice. And they come and groom it out, but it's just ice you know, chunks everywhere. So that's the kind of snow. If they, these guys want to know how to ski on made snow, they need to come to western Pennsylvania. <laughs> I'll send them a note, and I'm sure they'll listen. But, uh, but th- that's the difference. It's a different texture of snow. It's, you know, it's, it's like ice. You know, in western Pennsylvania, eastern Pennsylvania, you know, we live in the banana belt. When David raced, that's what they called Seven Springs and Canaan Valley and all the other ones. They called them the banana belt of skiing because, you know, you, you can only ski if there was snow cold enough to make it. So anyhow, thin ice of prayer is we are not thinking of God. We're not thinking of his promises. We're not even thinking of the, the, the request. The thin ice is not even that it's going to glorify the Father. The thin ice is questioning ourselves about asking God for something. Should I ask him or not? Or is it really the will of God? I've prayed and it hasn't happened. Is it the will of God? Well, let's go to Mark chapter 14, verses 34 and 35. This is Jesus in the garden. And it's one of the... It's a very, it's, if you take the time to just sit down and, and read this and think about it and pray over it and read it slowly and reread it, it is a, an astonishing, astounding, heart-wrenching piece of scripture that tells us about Jesus and the agony that he went through. 
going a little further, so he'd already spoken to the disciples, told them to pray, and they, he, he leaves them. He's in verse 35. Going a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour would pass from him, meaning the crucifixion and all this, the, what was awaiting him in front of him. Abba, Father, he said, all things are possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. You see, the struggle here in the Garden of Gethsemane appears to be a conflict to what Jesus has said earlier. And if, in John 15, 7, he says, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, you can ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. So here we have this declaration, you can ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Then we have Jesus in the garden saying, Father, if it, can be, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. So are these two things a contradiction? And they are not. Because the prayer in Gethsemane is one in which Jesus is setting, in this setting we see Jesus as the high priest. He is offering him, he is the high priest offering a sacrifice. And we have Jesus in the human, the, the, the humanness of Christ. He is the Lamb of God being the sacrifice. So Jesus is both in this, in, in, he has come to be the high priest that offers the Lamb of God. He is the Lamb that must be slain. So he is both, and so whenever he is saying these, and making these requests, he's saying, and he said, Father, my Father, you can do everything. Let this cup pass from me. That's the humanness, the being, the sacrifice, the lamb. Yet not my will. He's the priest. That he's going to, he's going through with the sacrifice. You see, this is where, when, whenever we see in our own lives that we are all priests unto the Lord. We're all priests. Meaning that we offer God the sacrifice of praise. So we thank him. We are a priest to ourselves in that we confess our sin. We offer ourselves to God, and God, by the Spirit, speaks to us through the Word. So the priest is one who takes the people to God and takes God to the people. Jesus is this priest, uh, and we find that the incarnation of Jesus Christ and the priesthood were both by a divine appointment. It's not an accident that Jesus is in the garden and that he has found himself here um, going to be betrayed in just a few moments. It's all by a divine appointment. The writer to the Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 5, So also Christ did not glorify himself so as to become a high priest, but he who said to him, meaning God the Father, You are my son, today I have begotten you. He proved to be the perfect sacrifice. He is God himself coming to die for the sins of people. Just as he says also in another passage, you are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Now, that's a whole study in itself, but the idea is Jesus is the high priest. So he is both. Let this cup pass for me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours. And in our life, I believe that we are that same priest. What is God's will in this? Nevertheless, not my will, but thine. So it's not a cop-out. It's not thin ice. And it's not giving up 
or placating not my will but yours or whatever it is your will to be. It's not that type of thing where we're trying to placate God and say, oh well, and not pray. We have God's Son offering up prayer and a supplication with loud crying and tears to the one who is able to save him from death. That's the agony of the garden. He is God. Jesus, he is God. But he learned obedience. Knowing this prayer could not be answered. He would not be able to obtain what he was asking for. You know, sometimes (laughs) it's hard to learn certain things. You know, it's hard to take on new perspectives. You know, the Bible in the Psalms says, expand your tent, pull out your, pe- your stakes, not to take your tent someplace else, but make your tent bigger because there's blessings coming. You know, we don't, sometimes we don't like to make our tent bigger. <laughs> Do you know how much, how much more stuff I can put in this tent if I make it bigger? <laughs> Do you know how much stuff I have to get out of this place whenever we make it smaller, you know? <laughs> So you see, Father, if your divine purpose can be accomplished without me being the sacrifice. That was, that's what his prayer was. But then his also his prayer was, not my will but thine be done. So in questioning ourselves or having this question, thy will be done, that God's will be accomplished, it creates times when we pray, Ask Jesus, is there, do I really need to go through this? Can this cup be removed from him? The agony of the sin of the world laid on him. The separation from the Father. You know, the, the anguish of the cross and the anguish of all the pain and all the suffering, it was horrific. I mean, we can't imagine. The, um, the Old Testament, the prophet says that his back was as a plowed field. So when they scourged him with the whip and they had those pieces of bone and metal, catty nine tails, so there were nine pieces of bone and metal that when they whipped him 39 times, there was 39 times those, I believe seven or nine um, pieces of metal and they just ripped his skin apart. So Jesus went through all of that, but the greatest agony was separation from the Father. Because when he took upon himself the sin of the world, God, he, did, he could not look at sin. And as it were, Jesus, that's when the, the, the sky turned dark and you know, Jesus died. He took, took upon himself the sin of the world. He descended into hell. And in that place, in the lower parts of the earth, it was as if, there was this great party going on with, the, with Satan and the, the, the fallen angels and the fallen de- those demons and the, those that were against God and they were celebrating Jesus is dead. We've, fit, we've, conquered, we've conquered God. <laughs> well, that only lasted for a short while because on the first day of the week, Sunday, they, uh, they heard the rattling in hell <laughs> and there was, there was this... This rattling, and the rattling was, there's somebody alive down here, <laughs> and we can't hold him, and we can't keep him, and Jesus is alive, and he led captivity, he led the Old Testament saints, the Old Testament group that were waiting in, in, in uh, what we call um, 
paradise, he led them all to heaven when he rose from the dead. So you see, there was, a, there was an outcome to the prayer. Your will be done. And so whenever we are learning obedience, whenever we are looking and coming to, to God with confidence, verse 14, John chapter, 1 John 5, 14, and this is the confidence that we have before him. This is the confidence we have before God. This is the confidence I have to go to God in prayer. It's like, this is how it should be. This is, this is the confidence that God has given to each of us to, to, to just address God. Father, 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 my Father, this is my prayer. This is, what I, this is what's going on in my life. You see, but prayers are not about informing God. He already knows. He already knows what we have need of, so our conversation with God is about, about our friendship. You know, when you talk to your friend, <laughs> what does your friend have to do to still to, to continue to be your friend? Well, he's just my friend. He doesn't have to do anything. Well, God is that way with us. We don't have to get anything from him. <laughs> We, we don't have to measure up or you, go, you get kicked out. No, we are, he is walking with us as a friend with a friend. And so we have this, call, this confidence and this boldness. For you see, the love that God has given to us banishes this self-condemnation. I'm not good enough. My prayer isn't that great. God has too many things to do to listen to what I have to say. You see, those are all wrong concepts and wrong understandings of who God is. God is infinite. If every person who has ever lived and ever will live should speak to God at the same time, God can give to everyone his undivided attention. Because he's God. So in our life, whenever we are walking with him as friend with friend, it isn't something that is complicated for God. Maybe we can't figure it out, but God understands it. And so he, his desire is for us to have this boldness, this confidence, this faith, that we can believe what he told us. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be opened. So what causes us to question the word of Jesus? Well, that little phrase, the will of God. We think the will of God has some hidden direction or some hidden guidance that we haven't found yet. It is a secret door that we can escape out of whenever we pray or it's some secret passage that the will of God, I, I, I don't know if this is the will of God, so I don't, should I believe? Should I? God will let us know. <laughs> Do not question our prayers. Do not question the reason for our prayers. We can search ourselves and ask if God doesn't answer. Okay. We learn obedience by praying and by asking and, see, and having a direction. I always said, when you have a decision to make, I can't make the decision, you know, if you're going to go to college, you've got to finish high school. You can't make that decision until you get that wall. <laughs> the wall is graduating high school. Then you make the choice. Do I go left or do I go right? 
Do I go left or do I go right? <laughs> Got that mixed up there. Until I went to school. <laughs> can't tell my left from my right. But anyhow, the challenge is you can't make that decision till you get there. You can't get there till you finish where you're at. And so the decisions that we make, we, we, we plan, we, we go through it, but, you know, come next fall, if you haven't made a decision, you're not going. <laughs> you know? You don't have a choice. You're going back to school whether you like it or not. So anyhow, <laughs> so the idea is that when we have to make decisions, you can't make, I can't make that decision here because it's not the right time, but there is coming a time. So whenever we pray, we're praying that as we journey, God will direct us and direct our path so that we will make the right decision when the time comes. So This is the remarkable degree of confidence. This is 1 John 5, 14, and it's the Amplified Bible. It says, this is the remarkable degree of confidence which we as believers are entitled to have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, that is consistent with his plan and purpose, he hears us. According to his will is according to the consistent plan and purpose that God has for our life. And if we don't, can't really decide that, God will help us make the decision. I didn't know I was going to be a minister. <laughs> well, I left school, left college. I, you know, I was in high school, and I, I said, okay, I went to the guidance counselor. I said, I want, I'd like to go to college. Where should I apply? She says, oh, well, here's a school. Try that one. All right, <laughs> that's all. I had one school. I, got, I, I applied and I got, I got, I got hired. <laughs> they left me in. Thank you. And it was there, in the second year that I was there, still planning to be perhaps a football coach or a phys ed teacher, things like that, that I, f that I felt going to church and, you know, things. I still went to church when I was in college. Okay. So, <laughs> so, I um, went to church, and it was in the services there th that I felt that God was calling me to the ministry, and that the preacher there had a specific college that, that he sent many individuals to that was a good Bible school. And that's where I heard about Zion, and that's where I went to, to Bible college and became a minister. So it didn't happen until my second year at, uh, at a liberal arts college. So being a minister wasn't, wasn't even in my scope of my plans. My backup plan was, well, I'll go back to the farm. <laughs> you know, all else fails, milk cows. <laughs> so seek ye first the kingdom of God. Always have God first. He will then supply the rest. James 4 Verse 7 and 8. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. The idea is clean up your life. Live a godly life. When we live a godly life, God has a way of working things together. That, yeah, sure we're tempted. Sure, maybe we don't fit in. You know, it was, it's kind of funny, not funny, but all my friends at the liberal arts college, they were all drunks. <laughs> there were no other Christians who went to church. I don't want to say drunks. They went out and partied a lot. 
But you know what? They were, they, I didn't go with them, but they thought I was their best friend and that I would help them out. We would, you know, play sports together, you know, went to the same classes, you know, we all did things together, but I didn't go party with them. And even when they pledged the fraternity, they told me, they said, you don't have to do all the stuff that these other people do. We'll, you just come and be part of our fraternity. <laughs> I said, oh, you know, I, I really can't because I knew what they did. <laughs> so. But the challenge was that, you know, they all respected me for who I was, even though I was entire, totally different, and they were always my friends. And then when this, one of their, their pledges, one of their guys wanted to pledge their fraternity, they were talking to, the, talking to them and says, you know, I want to ask this girl out to uh, the dance. And they says, well, why don't you? He says, well, she's engaged. Uh, what does that matter? <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter. Has her boyfriend here? No, no, he's not here. And, and they said, well, who's the lady? Who's the girl? Oh, they said, Rhonda Nelson. You mean Dave McGee's girl? You bring her, you're, you're blackballed. Those were my friends. <laughs> yeah, they all watched over her. <laughs> they, all, they were all taking care of Rhonda, you know. They watched out for her. Why? Because I was their friend. They didn't know anything else. They, you know, I was, I don't know, it was just me doing me. But, but it was there that I felt the call of God to be a minister. So we don't know how it's all going to work, because it was there that I met Rhonda. You know, four years later, we get married. Seemed like an eternity, but it was four years <laughs> after we finished college, and, you know, then we, then we were married. And so then we began the ministry. And so all of these challenges, thy will, according to thy will. And you see, as we follow the path and the plan that God has for us, we can ask for anything. We can ask for anything on this path. Because God knows the path, and that whatever we find ourselves engaged with, we ask God about it. Because God is walking with us on the path. It is a friend with a friend. <laughs> it talks about how that, that, that life can be an unending, an unending prayer. Now, that's not a labor. That's not like we're repeating, repeating prayers. Repeat, no, no. That's not what's talking. It's about being with a friend all the time that we can, we can talk to, we can associate with, and that the Spirit speaks the Word to our lives. He doesn't teach, you know, I hear voices. No. <laughs> I hear the Scripture, and I talk about my life, and I talk about the needs. I talk about the challenges, the temptations. And, you know, Father, I, Father, my Father, this is difficult. You see, those are the expressions of a relationship that allows us to speak to our Father. And if we know the intimacy of Jesus in the garden that he has with the Father, and that the intimacy that he has with us, he tells, <laughs> in, in the Amplified in first, 2 Timothy 1.12 says, this is why I suffered as I do. This is Paul speaking. I am not ashamed, for I know him, Talking about, I know Jesus, and I am personally acquainted with him, whom I have believed with absolute trust and confidence in him, and in the truth of his deity, and I am persuaded beyond any doubt 
that he is able to guard that which I have entrusted to him until that day when I stand before him. Everything that we go through, every prayer that we offer, every difficult, we, we are entrusting God to handle that. And we are saying, God will, we are asking God, take care of this. Because I know when I stand before you, everything that I have had need of, I have entrusted to you. And you've never failed me. <laughs> so when Jesus is saying, not my will, but thine be done, he's, he's submitting, he is obeying what he, has come to, what he has come to accomplish. And sometimes we have to obey what God has called us to accomplish in our life. And sometimes those things just don't seem too pleasant. But guess what? We entrust them to God. And he always provides for us. <laughs> Jesus prays for us, and this is John 17. Now this is Jesus talking about you and I. I do not ask on behalf of these alone, meaning the disciples and the people that are around him there, but I am asking for those also who, who believe in me through their word, basically who will believe in me through the word of the disciples and through the scriptures, that's you and I, that they may all be one even as you, Father, are in me and I in you. Just as much as Jesus is in the Father and the Father is in the Son, we are in them. We have that fellowship. They also may be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. So our life is a representative of God. Even whenever we don't think so. You know, I never thought of it, you know, in, in school. I never thought of my life being a representative of God. I just did what I thought I should be doing as a, as a follower of Jesus. And, and all the people, they, they honored that. And even when people tried to make fun of or put me down, my friends said, you can't do that, he's not like that. So you see, the world may believe that you sent me. That's us. We're not doing it for ourselves, we're doing it for God. Verse 22. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one just as we are one. I in them, you in me, that they may be perfectly perfected in unity so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you have loved me. You see, we are brought together by the same Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. We are brought together. It's the family of God. We, we, we allow the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts in a loving way in which we are compassionate and forgiving and in which we live what Christ would do through us. Father, verse 24, Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, be with me where I am so that they may see my glory which you have given me. For you loved me before the foundation of the world that they also may be with me where I am. That's the key. <laughs> where I am, Jesus is there. 
that Jesus is here with us in those situations, being one with Christ and one with the Father, so that the world may believe that the glory given to the Son is given to us, and that is given to us for a purpose, that we may know that we walk with him and he walks with us. And this is the confidence we have before him. If we ask anything according to his will, along this path that we are walking with God, God will answer our prayers to keep us on the path and keep us strong on the path so that the glory of the Father and the Son may be seen for those around us. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we already possess what we have asked for. It's already here. I just haven't got to where it's at. (laughs) It's already here. He's already answered my prayer. Taking that from the spiritual world and bringing it into the material world, I'm walking into it because that's what God has for me. So, (laughs) the will of God is to pray, to believe, to be confident, to be assured, to ask, to seek, to knock, knowing that he always hears us. Even though he knows what we need, he hears us and he answers our prayers that he might receive the glory and we might be victorious in our walk with him. Amen. Let's stand. Jesus, you are our friend. You don't have to do anything more than what you've already done. You saved us from our sins. Our names are in your book of life. We already have eternal life. We just have to reach that point in which we enter into your presence, your eternal presence. But Lord, we are here and God, we ask for your direction on this path. We ask for your mercy and your grace to abound towards us, your forgiveness, and Lord, how that you work in our life may be lived out through us to others. And God, if there are needs that are presented in our minds and in our hearts, we present them to you. We name the individuals, we present the problem We ask, Lord, according to what you have told us to do, to ask, to seek, to knock, to believe that there is this Heavenly Father who loves us and has promised to answer our prayers. So here is our prayer. Here are the people. Here are the needs. We give them to you. And we know, Lord, we can entrust them to your care. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Amen.